by the power of the Holy Spirit working through word and sacrament. Then we hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God. My friends, it's just that simple. It's in the divine service that he's there for you, that he delivers the forgiveness. That's where he promises forgiveness will be. Uh, And so that's why it's so important uh, to be in church. We long that God would answer the prayer when we pray, deliver us from evil. Get me out of here. Get me out of this sin-filled world. And that is Jesus Christ uh, who says, Do not count their sin against them, for my blood has paid the price for that. Now on 95.7 FM, it's Proclaiming the One with Pastor Clint Poppy and Pastor Adam Moline from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome once again to Proclaiming the One. Pastor Clint Poppy, Pastor Adam Moline, Vicar Albert Bader, we're privileged to serve the saints at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. We pray that God would richly bless us today. Our season of Easter is behind us, and today we begin a new adventure. Thanks be to God, we look at the readings for Whit Sunday. Nobody uses that archaic and ancient term anymore. Whit Sunday is Pentecost, the miraculous outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We begin uh, a new part in our church year, the Sunday's after Trinity, this is all happening here, and yet we got one last fling, one last major festival in the church before we go to that common part of the church here. A couple of words, Pastor, just on the nature of Pentecost and our celebration. Well, the Feast of Pentecost is one that actually predates Christianity, and yet uh, it is kind of uh, taken over by the fact that the Holy Spirit was... uh, bestowed upon his church on that day in flames of fire and uh, and uh, is one of the uh, times we could really say really that the New Testament church is founded at this moment I guess in a way uh, it's not disconnected from Christ's resurrection or a crucifixion and this whole year where these things all take place is the foundation of the New Testament church in that regard and uh, Pentecost then is uh, celebrated it's one that's oftentimes misinterpreted by uh, many people in the church uh, used for wrong reasons and bad reasons, and I suppose we'll talk about some of those as we go forward, but it is an important time and beginning of a, a longer season of the church where we focus on how the word and sacraments grow the church into what it is today. Titus 1.9 teaches us that uh, the, the job of the pastor is not only to teach the truth, but also to refute false teachings. And uh, we take that task very seriously here at Proclaiming the One. Vicar, the uh, introit for Pentecost, Psalm 68.1, 4A, 4C, 11A, 33B, 35A. Um, the antiphon is 68.3. We've got bits and pieces of Psalm 68. Psalm 68 is a long psalm, and so this is artfully crafted for us for our Pentecost celebration. Vicar. The Spirit of the Lord fills the world. Alleluia. The righteous shall be glad. They shall exalt before God. They shall be jubilant with joy. Alleluia. God shall arise. His enemies shall be scattered. And those who hate him shall flee before him. Sing to God. 
Sing praises to his name, exalt before him. The Lord gives the word. Behold, he sends out his voice, his mighty voice. Awesome is God from his sanctuary, the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the one who gives power and strength to his people. Our God is an awesome God. It says so right here in uh, Psalm 68. No, don't worry, Pastor. We're not going to sing that song uh, because he is so much more than an awesome God. Um, I think an awesome God would simply send terror into your heart and make you uh, uh, fearful of hell. We have the Spirit of the Lord fills the world. Now, when we talk about the person work of God the Holy Spirit, we generally talk about the spirit that is calling the individual Christian to faith, that work of creating faith and sustaining faith in the individual person. And apart from that faith in Jesus Christ, there is no salvation, there is no hope. How do we understand this line, that first line in our introit, that the Spirit of the Lord fills the world. We understand it through uh, the reality of the existence of the church today. Um, You know, we maybe think that the church only exists here in America and maybe a little bit in Europe, uh, but the reality is much, much different. The Word of God is preached and taught in its truth and purity in every single place where there are people living today. Uh, In South America, the Word of God is preached. In Africa, the church is growing in leaps and bounds because God's Word is being preached. Um, In China, even though the government tries to repress Christianity and keep it underground, which it is underground, there's more Christians in China, some estimates say, than there are people in the United States. Um, In India, we know there's Christians. We just heard about them being uh, killed in a bombing in Sri Lanka, which is right off the coast of India. Uh, In fact, my chasubles that I wear in church on Sunday mornings come from India, where they are made by nuns living in India. There's Christians in Russia. There's Christians in Ukraine. My, uh, I just heard there in uh, Ukraine, there's a Lutheran church of the Eastern Rite that is in fellowship with the Wisconsin Lutheran church that exists in Ukraine. Um, there's Christians everywhere, all over the world, uh, and wherever God's word is preached in these churches, in these places of worship, the Holy Spirit is there creating and sustaining faith. The Holy Spirit goes out. Blowing where, going where the wind blows. Jesus gives us that uh, word picture in John chapter 3. And Jesus' work is completed in uh, the book of Ephesians. Jesus ascends into heaven to fill all things. And the way he fills all things is with the Holy Spirit guiding people into all truth. It's really amazing how all of this ties and fit together. Those who believe just marvel at it. We rejoice. We are glad. We exult before the Lord. They shall be jubilant with joy. Um, Vicar, how are you jubilant with joy in your exalting? What's the point with those three terms there? Uh, It's just something that's kind of beyond our understanding or the way that we speak here today. Uh, Maybe the only I'd say the only time I might have experienced this in my life is the first time I got to hold my little boy in my arms. I was just so joyful, so overwhelmed by it that really there wasn't even any words that I could say to explain how that is. And this should be us in the presence of our holy God when we finally have faith by the working of the Holy Spirit to cling to Jesus who has 
paid for our sins so that we have eternal life with him in paradise to look forward to. But sometimes we're not quite that jubilant and joyful. No, we should be joyful at this uh, message that the gospel is going out to the four corners of the world, that Jesus has accomplished his task. That should put a bounce in our step every day of our life. But we tend to focus on the little things, and we tend to get bogged down and take all of the gifts that God has given us for granted. God shall arise, his enemies shall be scattered, those who hate him shall flee before him. What's the time frame? What is uh, the psalmist talking about with regard to God arising, the enemy scattered, uh, those who are ha- those who hate the gospel will flee before him? Pastor, uh, help me out with the time frame here. <laughs> you always ask me these open-ended questions that we can answer, you know, uh, very various ways. God arising is uh, an immediate discussion about the uh, person of Jesus Christ and his life, death, and resurrection, where God comes down from uh, his throne in heaven, takes on human flesh, defeats sin, death, and the devil, all of his enemies, and it continues even today as his word is preached and taught in his truth and purity. Uh, the uh, the enemies who can't stand that are sin, death, and the devil, and uh, they hate the fact that we preach God's word, but God works through that word to uh, drive Satan out of people's hearts and to go and live there himself, uh, and to continue continue to grow the church in that way. And so wherever God's word is preached and taught in its truth and purity, there God has arisen to scatter his enemies uh, and those who hate him flee before that. Yeah, so it's a historical reference to the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, and it is also a uh, church spiritual reference to every time that resurrection of Jesus Christ is proclaimed. So it is a both and, and it will happen this way. You know, some people sing happy birthday to the church on Pentecost. That's a little hokey and a little silly, but it is, in a sense, the church's birthday, and this day, this Uh, celebration that we have here at Pentecost goes until Jesus returns again in his power and might and glory. And until that time, line in the uh, introit, the Lord gives his word. Behold, he sends out his voice, his mighty voice. Vicar, can you think of a way or two that God sends out his voice, his mighty voice, this word that he has given us? Well, in the Old Testament, we might think of, and the New Testament, angels. Angel is a word that literally means messenger. These are ones sent by God with God's word in their mouth to proclaim to people for a specific time and place. Uh, New Testament is easier to focus on. The angel Gabriel coming to Mary. You will conceive and bear in son. And uh, this is still done today, not through the mouths of angels, but through the mouths of pastors, uh, perf- Proclaimed out of God's sanctuary, uh, proclaimed out of God's churches here in this earth as pastors teach and preach God's word and its truth and purity. Pastor, just a, just a minute or so, how would you talk about the importance of our radio ministry here at Good Shepherd with regard to the Lord giving his word and sending out his mighty voice? Well, uh, it is a, a great blessing in... The Holy Spirit works through 
all the word that is proclaimed in all the different shows here, wherever God's word is, uh, there the Holy Spirit is working. And the beauty of radio is, is that that word can go out uh, not just here on Sunday mornings or Wednesday evenings, but every day of the week uh, into you, your home, into your car while you drive, uh, so that you might hear the word and believe the word. And that's that's the blessing of the radio station. I know we do other things beyond that, but uh, the real key, I think, is all these programs that proclaim God's word and its truth and purity. We have some of the best preachers on, you know, like Rolf Preuss, and uh, we have uh, some of the other great shows like, uh, um, oh, what is it, Word Fitly Spoken, where we get into the historical aspects of the word and, and study it in depth in that regard. And even the shows that we do here locally, they're not too bad either. Uh, and... Uh, the beautiful thing about radio, you know, we, we can track how many people, you know, download a program or are listening at any given time through through their website. We can track all that kind of stuff. But with radio, you really never know who's listening or how many people are listening. And some of the notes, cards, testimonials that we have received about people who have just like randomly tuned into. Uh, our radio station while they were driving down I-80 or Highway 77 and were touched by one of our programs, uh, it is it is very, very humbling. We penetrate walls, we penetrate hearts, and we don't do the penetrating. This is the Holy Spirit at work. We need to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Proclaiming the One. We're looking at the readings for Pentecost. When we come back, we're going to take a look at the Gospel reading, John 14. 23 to 31. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back. You are listening to KNNA. LP 95.7 FM Lincoln, Nebraska. Created me a heart, a new heart. Cast me not away from your spirit. Beautiful words, a a paraphrase of Psalm 51. Great way to introduce our gospel reading for Pentecost Sunday. The gospel reading for our Pentecost celebration, more upper room discourse, and uh, this this will change now in the weeks ahead. We've had many, many weeks where we've been in John 14, 15, 16, and even a little bit of chapter 17 as well. John 14, 23 to 31, the appointed gospel reading for Pentecost Sunday. Vicar? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. 
Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And I, and now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Rise, let us go from here. The uh, last words there. The, uh, the selection of this particular text on this particular day has always been a little bit of a mystery for me. And uh, the, the historical details of the miraculous outpouring of the Holy Spirit will be in our uh, epistle lesson, our second reading, Acts 2, 1 to 21. But we have a lot of this um, love, keep my word, love, make our home with you. Um, the the word that you hear is not mine. We have a lot of this relationship talk between the Father and the Son. A little bit later in our text, we have this, uh, if I... Uh, I told you I'm going away. You didn't rejoice. You should have rejoiced. Why don't you rejoice? I'm going away for you. How is this particular text connected to the Incarnation, Good Friday and Easter, the Ascension of our Lord, all setting the stage for the miraculous outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Pastor? Well, uh, this particular text, and in fact, everything about this particular day is about the preaching of God's Word uh, and how God's Word creates and sustains faith, because wherever the Word is, the Holy Spirit is working. And this uh, kind of fits nicely into St. John's Gospel, which begins with the the statement that in the beginning was the Word, and uh, talks about that Word being Jesus, and talks about that Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so we have this idea that... um, Jesus is the Word, and that um, if we keep God's Word, God loves us. In other words, if we uh, listen to the Word, if we keep the uh, the uh, commandment, you know, um, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, uh, we should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching in His Word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. Uh, this day is all about the Word. That connects us then in the life of Jesus to His incarnation, to uh, His death on the cross where the Word uh, suffered, bled, and died for us. It connects us to the ascension where the Word went up into heaven and sent the Holy Spirit down to us. It connects us to every divine service where the Word is preached. It connects us to the Lord's Supper where the Word uh, makes body and blood appear and bread and wine connects us to baptism where it's not just plain water but the word of God in and with the water Uh, the word the word the word everywhere we look in the church there's the word and that word is Jesus too often we we spend the entire day of Pentecost talking about oh you know Lutherans don't do a very good job of talking about the Holy Spirit and uh, where's the Holy Spirit in the Lutheran Church and all this uh, kind of silliness and wasted space and wasted time the way you started out that last answer pastor was uh, was perfect and beautiful Pentecost is about the preaching of the word of God and if we can get that right then I think all the other pieces with regard to Pentecost will fall into place and even 
The Holy Spirit is in the Word. And those who say we don't talk about the Holy Spirit enough, uh, the Holy Spirit doesn't ever talk about himself. He never toots his own horn. He always tells us about Jesus. And so why wouldn't we say the same thing the Holy Spirit says? Amen. Amen. That's well said as well. Um, Jesus says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Vicar, the Holy Spirit is called the helper, and then the helper will help us by teaching us to remember. Is that a proper way to look at that verse, John 14, verse 26? I think that's the exact right way to look at that verse. Um, even just in some of our discussions off here, here we We've been talking this whole segment about the Word of God, and then as soon as we get off air, it just all of a sudden brings to mind, oh, remember this in the Old Testament. Oh, what about this in the book of Isaiah? How about that in the New Testament? And kind of the Holy Spirit works to pull all these things together, which were totally separated from us before, and that's what we need in this world. We are sinful, fallen human beings, and no matter how smart we are, no matter how intelligent we are, we just can't remember all things at the same time. And so the Holy Spirit, the Helper, comes to us when we need it and reminds us of the stories that we heard in the Gospel narratives in the Old Testament, all pointing us towards Jesus Christ. That's one of the reasons why Jesus teaches when you're dragged before uh, magistrates and kings and rulers, don't worry beforehand what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit, the Helper, will come to you and help you to remember the words that I spoke to you, so that you too can bear witness to them. The uh, the Holy Spirit doesn't zap us with knowledge of things we've never heard before or things we've never studied. The Holy Spirit teaches these things, and because we're frail human beings and our memories fail us, uh, the Holy Spirit causes us to remember those things that the Holy Spirit taught us. Pastor, why is this an encouragement and an exhortation for people to be in church, for people to bring their kids to church, for people to bring their kids to Sunday school, to midweek, to confirmation class, to vacation Bible school, to to be totally immersed in the Word of God? Well, um, one can't recite what one has never learned, uh, and that's the reality in the Christian faith. One needs to know the faith so that one can recite it. Uh, being in the Word on a regular basis allows God to uh, imprint His Word into our minds so that when the time comes, uh, we have a place to draw from, to recite it appropriately. And I think then also, uh, a different note, this particular text is telling us too, uh, Jesus is telling the apostles specifically, I'll bring to remembrance all these things. And that remembrance that is brought uh, is recorded for us then in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is where the Holy Spirit was... Uh, working through men, carrying them along, recording for us the Holy Scriptures so that we might have an accurate historical account of the life and time of Jesus Christ. That is a, uh, that is a brilliant point. The people that Jesus is talking to, uh, I'm going to teach you, then I'm going to bring this to mind, uh, that is an allusion to the work of the Holy Spirit in the inspiration of the Holy Scriptures, which are now what God uses 
to teach us and bring to mind the great truths of Jesus. I had never connected those dots together before. That is a brilliant, brilliant point. Um, you know, and uh, I, I'm not going to bring up on air, you know, about the mighty bear hunter and uh, the big trip uh, out to Montana and all this kind of stuff. I've been I've been pumping you up these last several weeks, and uh, now the trip is over, and I'm just going to let people in suspense on whether the mighty hunter was the mighty hunter. Um, and then you can bring to mind the things that, all right, I'll, I'll stop with that. Verse uh, 27 and following, Jesus says, and some very famous words here, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Let them not be. Let them not be afraid. Vicar, what kind of peace is Jesus talking about here? Peace that is the forgiveness of sins. Uh, something that the world cannot give. The world gives justice in another form. You do something wrong, you pay for the due consequences of that sin. But Jesus is giving peace that rests solely on the forgiveness of sins, which He will earn for us. Here the very next day after he speaks these words to the disciples. Pastor, this peace that Jesus brings comes at a great cost. The uh, timeline of when Jesus speaks these words and connect how the Prince of Peace brings this peace that the world doesn't understand, a peace that passes all understanding. Well, the peace that passes all understanding is brought to us by the work of the Holy Spirit in the Word. When the Word is preached and taught in its truth and purity, and we as God's people believe that Word and live our lives according to it, we can have peace no matter what sort of challenges and difficulties arrive. We can have peace in the face of suffering, peace in the face of um, sickness, peace in the face of poverty, peace in the face the face of even successes or positive things, we can have even peace in the face of death, the thing that looms in the front of all of us that draws ever nearer, uh, no matter what things arise, because we have God's word and we've heard it and we've believed it, we don't need to let our hearts be troubled or afraid, rather we can have peace. The Holy Spirit has just brought to mind another part of God's word uh, to me, and I want to get your reflection on this, Pastor. Jesus says, I did not come to bring peace to this world, I came to bring a sword. How do we, I mean, either Jesus is confused, mixed up, a liar, or there's a way to properly understand those words. Well, yeah, you even said the proper way to understand those words. Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace to this world. And, uh, and in fact, I think the the response of the Christian is, is that even though the world is not at peace, even though the world might hate me and try and kill me with a sword, uh, I have peace in Christ, peace knowing that um, the worst thing that can happen to me in this world is not to be compared to the life that is to come. All right, we need to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to dig into Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. It's a long narrative. You might want to get out your Bibles and follow along, unless you're driving down the highway, and... Uh, Get ready for God's word to us regarding that first Pentecost.
Bach Back, Sundays at noon on KNNA. Welcome back to Proclaiming the One, Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline, Vicar Bader, looking at the readings for Pentecost Sunday. We'd also love to have you come join us at church. We are invited every Sunday at 8 and 1030 with Sunday School for All Ages in between, Wednesday evening year-round at 630. We uh, proclaim the one Savior from sin, our Lord and Savior Jesus. We proclaim the one Savior from sin, the one that the Spirit of Truth has taught us and reminds us of, Jesus, his completed work, his person, true God and true man for you and for the life of the world. Variety of ways that you can uh, also check us out without being here in person. Our uh, services are broadcast live, 95.7 LP right here in Lincoln. Check us out on the handheld device or thecross957.org. Also check out our uh, numerous other options with regard to uh, self-made programs and other programs that we're affiliated with. Pastor, I have a random question for your new program, your Bringing Bach Back program. Uh, do you have a specific uh, program for Pentecost, or are you the week before or week after this year? No, actually, uh, there is a specific Pentecost um, uh, service this year, and then next year we'll get Holy Trinity, but uh, we the last one was Ascension. Uh, he has gone up with shouting, and then we have a specific one for Pentecost this year as well. Okay, so uh, you'll be able to hear that this week and then the following week as well. So I encourage you to check that out. A beautiful blending of classical, uh, Baroque-style music and solid Lutheran theology that also proclaims the one Savior from sin, Jesus. Vicar, I've delayed as long as possible. I've I've done everything humanly possible to spare you from public embarrassment over the radio airwaves. Uh, folks, this Bible passage is one of the most difficult passages. It's not the most difficult. There are a couple worse. But this is one of the most difficult passages for the lector to read because of all the names and towns and uh, funky pronunciations. So uh, you now have a pass-fail oral exam for your vicarage. <laughs> Vicar, Acts 2, 1 to 21. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in their own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, 
Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be made known to you and give ear to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay, we have a lot here to talk about and uh to know where to go and how to go to teach the truth and to refute the errors with regard to this text. Uh, We pray that God would bless us in that respect. First of all, when the day of Pentecost arrived, are you trying to tell me, Pastor, that Pentecost was an ongoing feast and that there is a Pentecost celebration in the church in the Old Testament before we get to Acts chapter 2? How, how could that be? Yeah, in fact, there is uh, Pentecost is already a, a um, feast in the time of the Jews. It's uh, oftentimes referred to as the Feast of Weeks, uh, as it's described in other places in the Scripture. Uh, it's also um, based upon the number of days after the Passover for the Jewish mind. It's For us, it's so many days after Easter. For the Jewish mind, it's so many days after Passover. Of course, Passover and Easter are the uh, same time of the year. And so for that, uh, that's kind of the calendar in our mind. Okay, so we have Pentecost that, in a sense, is just simply appropriated for this outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we witness here. And uh, it's like this particular Pentecost or Feast of Weeks celebration has now been transformed into a New Testament celebration because the person and work of Jesus Christ has been completed. Uh, The work of Jesus has been completed, not his person, of course. But... um, so we see this with regard to the Old Testament um, uh, sacrament of circumcision that has been fulfilled and completed and transformed now in the waters of holy baptism. So this uh, shouldn't surprise us, but this Pentecost did not start on this day. There was a 
Pentecost before. That's the point I wanted to make. Pastor? Right. It is, and it's important that God does this because it's one of three pilgrimage festivals that the ancient Jews celebrated. And so Jews from all over the diaspora, those who have been spread out um, through persecution, through time, through who knows what, they all come back to Jerusalem to celebrate this particular uh, festival. And uh, it uh, commemorates the wheat harvest in the land of Israel, uh, and it also is where the entire book of Ruth is read uh, as a part of the feast as well, which I think is important also because we have Ruth, who's a Moabite, uh, who comes to uh, Israel and is married then to Boaz and becomes a uh, foremother, is that the right way to say it? I think it is. uh, of King David himself, and then also, therefore, of Jesus himself. And so there's lots of things that are coming to fruition here in this particular festival. And that explains why why we have so many different people from so many different regions that have all gathered together in Jerusalem at the same time. And by the way, Vicar, you did quite well. You did quite well. I would give you at least an A minus, if not an A. So um, uh, I can tell you we're practicing. <laughs> okay, so let's get into what actually happened on this day. The uh, disciples are all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. The miraculous outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the sound of a rushing wind. Vicar, the word for wind and spirit Hebrew, the word for wind and spirit Greek. How is wind and spirit connected, and what is the significance here in Acts 2? Well, they're both the same word. Uh, I know that for a fact in Greek, and I would venture to say that's the same for Hebrew. Same word in Hebrew, ruach. Yes. Ruach. So in the Greek, this immediately takes me back to John 3. The spirit blows where he wishes, and you do not see it, but you can hear its sound type of thing. Well, you could say the same thing. Uh, Spirit, wind, the Holy Spirit coming. They can actually hear the Holy Spirit coming in this instance, yet they're not able to see it. But they go directly to the house that that he is going to. Okay, so we've, we've got that spirit-wind connection that you see all throughout Scripture. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Um, I've seen many a goofy Sunday school or VBS craft that tried to figure out a way to put tongues of fire on everybody's head uh, without burning the hair off of people. So, Pastor, what is the significance of the tongues of fire over each of the uh, apostles? Well, it has to do with lots of things. Um, Maybe to think back to the Old Testament, we can think of uh, when God appeared to Elijah and uh, there was the earthquake and there was the, the wind and all these things, but then God appeared in the still small voice, the word, in fact. And so this is the same sort of thing that's happening here. We also could bring it back to uh, the Tower of Babel, which is our Old Testament. I'm sure we'll talk about that briefly. Um, but what happens here is that um, the Holy Spirit, God himself, comes down in flames of fire, and it's not that um, um, these fires are burning them or anything like that, but God himself is a consuming, uh, consuming, all-consuming fire. He comes down. He 
dwells in them, he creates faith in them, and he now reunites them uh, with the message of Jesus Christ. And they go forth then to preach that message to every country in the world, beginning with the people from every country in the world that are gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate this particular Feast of Pentecost. So the thing that happened in the Tower of Babel where the people were spread all over the world because they had believed in themselves and they had built this tower to their own glory and they didn't believe the Word of God is now undone as the Holy Spirit brings everybody back together in the true Word, which is the Word of Salvation of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, I know we're out of time here. That's a starting point, at least. Well, it's Babel reversed. There's no doubt about that. It's Babel reversed. Um, Can we make a connection between the burning bush that spoke to Moses and the, the Holy Spirit that comes to the disciples in tongues of fire? Can we make a connection between what the disciples are going to do with their tongue and the fact that the little pieces of fire that are on top of their head are called tongues of fire. Those are the little teasing questions I want to leave as we go to break. We'll start right there when we come back. This is Proclaiming the One. Don't change that dial. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to Proclaiming the One, Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline, Vicar Bader. We serve at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Check us out. Come visit us sometime. We are reading and preparing for Pentecost Sunday, a major celebration in the church here. In segment one, we looked at the introit, a portion uh, selected verses from Psalm 68. In part two, we looked at the gospel reading, John 14, 23 to 31. In our previous segment, we introduced the historical narrative for Pentecost Sunday, Acts 2, 1 to 21. I left everyone with uh, some hangers with regard to this tongue of fire, the uh, fire, the proclamation of the gospel. How How is one to understand all of these things? Were they like literal tongues, uh, Pastor? help make some sense out of this for our hearers. Well, our language is is clear. In the Greek, it talks about tongues. The word is glosa, and it's the same word that's used later when they speak in languages, glosa. Uh, and it's and also... It's where, where we get our English word glossary. Glossary. Or if you take notes and somebody's speaking, those are sometimes referred to as glosses. Glosses, correct. So uh, this is this is a fairly common word. Yep, and, and it's used throughout this particular text. Um, and it is the same word we use in a fire. Um, when you have a stick that's on fire, the flames that come up from the top of that are called a tongue of fire. Uh, and it's called that because it eats in a sense, the wood that is burning, or if it's an oil lamp, it um, eats the oil that it's burning, and so that that language is there, and that idea is then uh, throughout this particular text, and you can go with all sorts of other places. The vicar earlier was talking about um, um, the 
the prophets of Baal and the uh, altar that Elijah built and the fire from heaven came down and licked up all the water and the stones and the earth, uh, leaving basically kind of a crater there, it sounds like. Yeah, First um, Kings 18. Yep. And we have other places in Scripture where this idea is brought forward as well. And so this is a presence of God word. The, the fire is the part that signifies God is present and God's the one doing the work here. And in fact, in the book of Acts, the book begins with, in the previous book, it talked about how Jesus began to work the church. And now in the book of Acts, we're talking about how God is going to continue to work the church and to bring it into existence through the preaching of the word. And so that idea here being carried through, God is going to work through these 12 apostles to start with and all the others ordained in the future to bring about the church. Okay. So, um, Vicar, I want to want you to weigh in on this, and we'll we'll probably get get you your words trumped here by Pastor uh, Moline. But uh, the the uh, disciples are given the ability to speak in foreign languages. You know, got all these different people groups that are gathered for the celebration of Pentecost, and the people. I mean, Pastor Moline said before, Pentecost is about preaching the word. And the disciples preach the word under uh, the power of the Holy Spirit. They preach the word. You got all these different peoples, all these different people groups. Um, it appears that they have been given the ability to speak and preach in a language they never studied. And then, as you read the text, it almost makes you question. Maybe they were just speaking in their own regular language, and the miracle was in the ears of the individual hearers because they were able to hear in their own individual language. Uh, how are we to think about this particular Pentecost miracle, and does it matter? Well, first of all, I don't know if it matters exactly how it was understood. The main miracle here is God's word was taught in its preaching. Uh, truth and purity, and the people heard it and understood it. Now, it doesn't say that they all came to belief here, but if this word continued to be proclaimed into their ears, the Holy Spirit would use that to kindle faith in them. And it's interesting that this uh, note is made. Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? So maybe it was they had some sort of accent that gave them away. Well, we know that these men are Galileans. We know that they're not Parthians or from Cappadocia or from Egypt or whatever because of their accent that they have. So maybe they were just speaking their modern tongue. And then in their ears, they were able to hear this, but uh, we really don't know. But what we do know is it wasn't something like that everybody all of a sudden understood in their own language. Okay. Pastor, what do you think about Vickers' answer? What would you, uh, how, would you or how would you tweak it just a little? Well, I, I would say... The last thing he said is exactly right. It's not jibber-jabber. It's not speaking in tongues like the Pentecostals do. That's a bad translation and a bad understanding. I would say, in my reading of the particular text, that the apostles are given the ability to speak in different languages, and that's the reason some people think they're drunk, is because they hear them speak in these languages, and they say, I don't know how to... be like if um, if a person came here to church and started speaking... Um, you know, one of the African languages like um, Swahili. Swahili to us, it sounded like jibber-jabber to our ears, 
why are you doing that? Are you drunk or whatever might be our response? But the reality is, is that they're speaking a real language, even though I don't understand it. And I think the important part of this, speaking in all the different languages, is, and this has to go back to the Old Testament and the Tower of Babel, the content of the preaching is the same in every single case. And that's the important part, is the content is Jesus Christ crucified and risen. And the way we know that is because Peter preaches a specific sermon that's recorded for us that gives us that content. You crucified the Son of God, uh, and that's sin, and you did these terrible things, and you've not listened to God's word, and the people are cut to the heart by the sermon, and they say, what are we to do? And then he gets the gospel, uh, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and there's where your forgiveness of sins will be found. And so it's the content uh, that's important, and God gives the ability for that content, the message of Jesus, to be preached in every corner of the world. We see that take place, then the apostles go out and they preach the word in Crete, in Elam, in Phrygia, in Pamphylia. Uh, Thomas goes all the way to India before he's martyred. Um, We have even Matthias, the new apostle who replaces Judas. Uh, He goes up to the armpit of the Roman Empire where, you know, even today nobody lives in the place he went And yet he still went there to preach this word of Jesus in its truth and purity in the language of the way people can hear it. And when we understand the Old Testament text from uh, Genesis 11 and the confusion of the languages, it makes it seem like as Babel is reversed, the disciples are speaking with one voice, with one tongue, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what reverses. The curse. Reverse the curse. Reverse the curse. I like that. Um, I do, uh, in our time that we have left here, um, the the uh, reference that Peter makes, uh, starting in verse 14 of Acts chapter 2, but Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, 9 a.m., But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Peter, in his Pentecost sermon, quotes Joel. Now you would assume that he was quoting Joel about the miraculous outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Joel predicting Pentecost Day. But when you see what he quotes from Joel, this doesn't look or sound anything like Pentecost Day. So, Pastor, uh, you're a bit of an Old Testament scholar here with how all these pieces fit together. Help me understand how Peter's quotation of Joel is talking about Pentecost Day, but it is also talking about much more than Pentecost Day. This is what uh, he quotes from Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. That sounds a little bit like Pentecost. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. I don't know. There's only men prophesying here. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And here's the part that gets me. This doesn't sound anything like uh, Pentecost. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. And the day of the Lord, uh, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. 
wow, what's happening here? What 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 what's Joel talking about? Well, yeah, I think to go back to the first part of your question, Peter talking about it. Um, here in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter two, here we see where the I don't want to call it tradition, but maybe just because that's the word on top of my head, the tradition of preaching a sermon within the divine service comes about. And we see uh, Peter preach a sermon, and we see the parts of things that make up what a real, true sermon is. So first off, we have an a text, right? And Peter preaches on the Old Testament of Joel. And so we have the text read for us so that we can hear the sermon. And then Peter preaches the law about how you have killed Jesus and that uh, that's sin and that's not good. And then Peter preaches the gospel, pointing us to baptism and to Christ for forgiveness of sins. And so that's the way every single sermon should be that you ever, ever hear. We should have it based on God's word. It should preach the law, and it should preach the gospel in its fullness and its truth and purity. And so we see here that being taught to us, that's what we ought to listen for in sermons. So first off, to all of our listeners, make sure that your pastor is preaching in such a way. And if he's not, talk to him about it. And if he refuses to repent of not preaching that way, uh, then find a church where the word of God is preached in its truth and purity that way. Now, as to the Joel text itself, it's talking about several things. It's talking about, uh, first off, the end of the world um, with um, fire and smoke and vapor and the sun turned to darkness and the moon to blood and the day of the Lord coming. It's also talking about the reality that this has kind of already happened for us in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the last three hours of Christ's time on the cross. The sun is darkened, and uh, uh, all of hell is suffered by Christ as he's hanging there on the cross. And so we have both of those things brought together, and as any good preacher would do, Peter's using that uh, in both ways, uh, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the content, then, of what he's going to talk about from this particular Old Testament passage is Jesus. And I think this is important because some people say Jesus is not in the Old Testament, but the only thing the apostles ever preached upon were Old Testament texts because they hadn't written the New Testament yet. So, Yeah, that is, that is extremely well said, Pastor. And uh, the, way you, the way you brought that out about Peter preaching, I think that's uh, very, very good for us. Uh, Pastor Morandi would always talk about that prophetic perspective, and you look and you see all these things out in the future, and it's not always crystal clear what comes first and how far these things away. The bottom line is, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What did you say at the very beginning of your program? Pentecost is about preaching the Word of God, and as that Word of God goes forth... Till the end of time, people will hear it and people will believe. Thanks be to God. Vicar, you want to bring things uh, to a close with the collect for Pentecost Sunday. Let us pray. O God, on this day you once taught the hearts of your faithful people by sending them the light of your Holy Spirit. Grant us in our day by the same Spirit to have a right understanding in all things and evermore to rejoice in his holy consolation. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to Proclaiming the One on Sunday morning. Get up, read your paper, drink your coffee, pray for your pastor, and above all, go to church. Thanks be to God. See you next week. Bye now.